everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. Uh, this is, I think, the most frequent we have been. I think if all goes well, we'll be releasing this episode within six days of the previous one. So we will, for once, feel like a normal podcast. And the reason is obvious. The big event, Cricket World Cup, is fast approaching. We thought we needed to do our bit, just release an episode on the miscellaneous World Cup memories or nostalgia or anecdotes, thanks to podcast uh, regular Vijay Arumagam, who's again back. Consider this is a part two. And also joining is uh, Kandar Mehta from Barcelona, who was there on the Rivalry and Partisanship podcast not too long ago. So this should be a fun podcast where we talk about some of the World Cup legends. And it's only fitting we dedicate a full episode to some of these iconic figures. And I don't want to use the word iconic again, but these figures are really iconic. So on that note, let me bring in my fellow panelists and guest. Uh, we are managing different time zones. It's little after 2 p.m. in Barcelona. Kandar, how are you? Hi. Hi, Sakib. Thanks a lot. Thanks for, for inviting me again. Uh, and no. a very good afternoon to you. Very good evening to Vijay. Yeah, it's late night in Sydney and uh, <laughs> yeah, you, are pair, you are being paired with Vijay today. So this should be, this should be a fun podcast. Vijay, how goes? Hey, Sakib. Uh, hey, Kandar. Uh, thanks a lot for having me uh, over here again. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. And I think, as you rightly said, Sakib, this must be the must be the the closest or, or the shortest gap we have had between two podcasts. So yeah, so exciting. And hopefully, people are not fed up of hearing my voice again. No, I think you you bring uh, decent traffic. Like I've said in the past, even folks who don't like you may tune in. You have that knack. So I won't praise you much by saying that. I think you, you can definitely polarize the room and, and that's an art, my friend. So Kandar, if you listened to the last podcast, you gave uh, you know some good reviews on how Vijay recalled that 87 semifinal uh, with Imran Khan you know, coming as a loser, in at, which was supposed to be the last home game. And then if it was a f- perfect film script, there was a sequel you know, four and a half years later, lifting the trophy at the MCG. Uh, but you also have fond memories of Imran, the cricketer, and that 87 World Cup. Even though you are a good few years younger than me, uh, you still have some some anecdotes, or not anecdotes, some uh, everlasting memories, like you said. So talk about Imran. Uh, the space is yours. He enters our podcast once again. He's such a such a huge figure. So what do you have to say? Uh, share with the listeners and Vijay. So. Uh, in fact, it was wonderful uh, to hear. And it was, you know, uh, very interesting when Vijay mentioned that 87 semifinal and, you know, up to the final of uh, ninth, uh, 1992 can be an interesting movie script because, um, I mean, I cannot think of anything better. Uh, and yes, probably 99 semifinal. Yes, it was. It, it's again one of the most exciting and interesting games ever but uh, Imran Khan and his trajectory in the World Cup I think is 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 unique and 1987 World Cup was probably when I I realized his his star power because 87 World Cup was the first World Cup I watched Um, 83 World Cup I was too young and and we didn't have a television either Um, 87 World Cup I remember uh watching most of those games and in the final overs when imran was going back on his run up 
the entire Gaddafi Stadium was singing Chalte Chalte Mere Ye Geet Yaad Rakhna Kabhi Alvida Na Kehna Because if you remember, Imran had announced that he was going to retire after winning the 87 World Cup for Pakistan. And, and you know, it was like, I remember, like I was watching alone that game. Maybe my, my younger sister was playing somewhere around me and I, I had shouted and I had called my mother. She was in the kitchen and I said, look, mommy, they are singing Indian songs. So to see him lose, uh, which was a, a huge upset, um, and we were not huge fans of Australia anyway, um, but from there to see him win uh, that 1992 World Cup was, was really very interesting. Also, 92 World Cup, if you remember, uh, for, the, for most of the time, um, Pakistan were kind of, you know, they lost, I think, by 10 wickets to, to West Indies in the very first game. Then uh, they, they lost to India, of course. Uh, they were bowled out for, for 74 against England, but they, that game was washed out. So they, they somehow they, they earned one point. And nobody, everyone had written them, written them off. So from there, like Vijay had mentioned in the last episode, how they managed to win against Australia, how they managed to win against New Zealand, which was, I mean, not many people uh, give, you know, due credit to Pakistan for that victory. Um, and and then, you know, the semi-final was probably um, uh, another memorable game. Um your younger um, listeners would probably not know, but, and this is my, my opinion, but Imran Khan was probably the first global superstar that cricket had. The game of cricket had produced like some amazing, uh, you know, globally known cricketers. Many cricketers were, you know, like uh, appreciated, celebrated across the world, but Imran Khan he had uh, not just, you know, he not only had appeal across Indian subcontinent, he had a much wider appeal. And even off the field, he had a lot of influence. And for example, um, 1996 World Cup, uh, when it came to India, Pakistan and Sri Lanka, if I remember correctly, um, a very, a very serious negotiation had taken place at ICC. Um, in fact, England wanted the 1996 World Cup back in England because, you know, they had not hosted 87. They did not host 92. And it was Madhavrao Sindhya from India and Imran Khan. Together, they had negotiated very effectively. Uh, and they took uh, Sri Lanka also as an ally and that made sure that uh, the World Cup came back to, to Indian subcontinent in 96. So he, he, he had a lot of influence on, um, on the game of cricket in general, not just, uh, not just on, on Pakistan or, so he was not only an effective captain, but also, you know, he had, 
and i think even today uh, if you listen to any pakistani youtubers or um, whenever they talk about their cricketers somehow they are always comparing them against against imran khan and that's why you know they are never happy with with any of their captains because no none of them has been imran now that's a good way to summarize it and i think uh, even in last podcast i asked for jay a question uh, the world cup importance i think some of it happened on our watch because 87 world cup is i think for all three of us the first world cup we watch i have a lot of memories of that world cup and uh, if you look back now in hindsight you know you have process you know one has processed a lot of uh, anecdotes a lot of a uh, lot of facts that are associated so i think it, it was i didn't know cricket before that time really well so it was his desire to win the world cup that kind of you know became a normalized way in in many ways that you have to associate the greatest players to go win the world cup and it really came full circle for us indians when tendulkar finally lifted uh, you know was part of the team that lifted the trophy in 2011 because he openly started saying that he wanted to win the world cup and world cup i think became that kind of an event uh, so i think yeah talking about tendulkar in the in my response to your imran uh, summary i think uh, we will be talking about him a lot so but vijay let me bring you in here because uh, i also want to talk about arvinda de silva in this podcast because he was the you know one of the architects for the sri lankan win in in 96 so again a crash course for a young listener and you know put your you know historical hat on vijay uh, what was de silva the batsman shaping up before the 96 world cup i remember he was one of their cornerstones he was aggressive he had you know he could play the good pull shot and he you know he was an attacking batsman but uh, did you see that coming what was his world cup resume like before 96 did you think he had it in him to you know to architect this kind of a win yes so sakib uh, arvind de silva like uh, <clears throat> we've been following him for a, a fair bit before the 96 world cup because uh, he had played in the 1987 as well as in the 92 world cups right so he's a veteran uh, from um, uh, from two prior world cups but i think we had to give a <clears throat> bit of a context because like how we we've said about uh, sachin tendulkar not having the the right amount of opportunities when he was young in the 90s because india was a poor side in terms of not being invited over to england or australia for five test series compared to say brian lara because west indies had the the crest of their legacy and then they used to go there for five tests while tendulkar would play for three tests in in england or once in eight years in australia etc etc from an arvinda de silva's perspective sri lanka had domestic issues between 1987 and 1992 for 5 years so in 87 when new zealand toured uh, they had a bomb blast near the, <clears throat> the 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 bus station and 100 people were killed and new zealand left so aravinda de silva was 22 to 27 he didn't play a single home game right like there was no home test there were no home one day so he was literally playing these one off tests they used to invite uh, sri lanka over for one test match in england one test in australia maybe a, a short tour to new zealand they'll go to the benson and ages world series in australia for the tri series so imagine like you know you're from sri lanka you don't play at home um, and then you have to travel over to 
uh, these uh, overseas locations and you just get one opportunity like you don't have an opportunity to <clears throat> perform so i think he scored at that brilliant 167 at the gaba in 1989-90 when they played a one off test uh, that innings was not televised but uh, we heard so much about it now we got footage and you know playing those horizontal bat shots and stuff uh, then he scored the other brilliant uh, 200 and uh, 67 uh, in in at uh, at uh, base in reserve in wellington the same test match where martin cross scored that 299 so i think there were there were these uh, glimpses of him um, potentially becoming a great even back then but the first time i really saw i didn't see a lot of him you know because when when aravinder de silva played in the reliance cup they still had dilip mendes they had roy uh, roy diaz and then they had uh, Uh, you know other senior players and arjuna ranatunga was a little ahead in terms of <clears throat> the batting prowess and stuff but i think uh, in 1990 91 sri lanka came to india for that one off test and uh, three one days so he played couple of uh, quite brilliant innings in nagpur and pune and uh, i think manoj prabhaka came out and said he hits the ball the hardest i mean um, he was such a powerful hitter clean hitter and he gave the bowlers a bit of a nightmare and of course sachin tendulkar also played some good innings and uh, that is almost the arrival of sachin tendulkar at home so we got to see the glimpse of aravinder de silva in india in 1991 especially in one day cricket but then again on and off on and off he was there and sri lankan cricket was going through a bit of a turmoil they had roshan mahanama as captain captaincy was uh, swapped around i don't think he was a, a very happy camper in 92 world cup and all but i think the real breakthrough was in 95 when he was selected by canterbury when carl uh, hooper was injured and uh, they chose him uh, to be the overseas player and uh, guess what i think that really made him i think there's even a story that mark benson i mean a lot of indian fans would remember mark benson as an umpire who was there uh, at the 2007 8 monkey gate test match but he was the kent um, skipper back then and the theory was when he started off uh, he didn't look that great but uh, there was even some some murmurs from mark benson what the hell are we doing by hiring this guy but guess what uh, within uh, halfway through the season he had scored over 1200 runs at an average 68 but more importantly the 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 run uh, he scored 112 in that uh, uh, their benson ages domestic cup final against lancashire kent versus lancashire against wasim akram and others that innings was the real turning point i don't think it was televised in india oh it was i think it, it was televised it wasn't televised but we got a fair amount of footage and there was a lot of talk and i think that was a real real uh, setting stone for aravinder de silva to become from that mad max or a, a person who could play a lot of shots to someone who could be, become refined and you know you know lords final domestic competitions step, stepping up to the plate etc etc i think that was the real thing but again then uh, sri lankans went to australia in 9596 uh, that's where we saw a little bit of uh, uh, ramesh kalavitarna getting some couple of good 70 odds against australia we saw a brilliant 100 from sanath jayasurya in uh, at the adelaide oval hashan uh, telakratna scored a uh, uh, sorry asanka gurusinghe scored a brilliant 100 uh, um, in at the mcg test but arvind that didn't didn't score too many runs uh, there was a good attack uh, with uh, with warn being at the top of his game and magra so to be fair arvind was always seen as a, this potential great but we didn't see glimpses yes the kent one happened in 95 
But 95-96, he didn't look that great in Australia. And then we had the World Cup. And to be fair, uh, two of the main games, the West Indies and Australia going to Colombo for the games, they forfeited because uh, for security reasons, so Sri Lanka got eight points in the bag, right? Um, yeah, he scored the runs in against uh, uh, Zimbabwe in Patna and then uh, he scored, uh, sorry, not Patna, I'm sorry, uh, against Zimbabwe, Patna was Hero Cup uh, against Zimbabwe at the Singley Sports Club in, in Colombo and then against Kenya in um, in Candy. But we didn't see that coming. But I think we need to talk about those two innings because those were two monumental innings because to score a 32-ball 50 uh, Actually, in a World Cup yeah. semi Hold, hold your thought. You know, I want to get Kandarp in and I have a larger question on those two innings. So I know you have a lot okay. to say. Okay, I won't get to that. So so to answer your question, it's a bit of an interesting conundrum because his, if you look at the statistics, his record doesn't look that flattering before 95 or after 96 because he played till 2003. Uh, but I think, yeah, look, the expression, he, the, the way he played in the semifinal and final kind of made him what he was and what followed up in the next couple of years really made his legacy. His te- test record is also picking up. To answer a question, well, I can give you a fair bit of, fair bit of uh, revisionist uh, points of view to say, oh, that Kent uh, 100 in the final was the catapult, but he didn't score too many in Australia. So we can all connect the dots. But I think that Kent tenure made him what he was from a Mad Max to a refined uh, very intelligent cricketer, which we saw in the 96 World Cup and beyond for the next couple of years. I think that's the way I would like to summarize Sakib. Yeah, that's just perfectly put and set the stage for, you know, a good follow-up. I'll come back to you in a, in a minute. So, Kandar, uh, when we were doing the rivalry podcast with Aftab, who, who's again a regular panelist here, he said, you know, he took that uh, Sri Lanka uh, win too hard and, you know, that became a team that he cheered the most against. So, what are your memories of the 96 World Cup? Did De Silva, as a fan, ruin your experience? Or in the end, you were cheering for him? Uh, a lot of people see him as a trailblazer, even though he was a veteran, like we just said, he's been around for a while. But a lot of uh, fans think uh, his arrival, and especially those two innings, uh, you know, has, has a lot of influence on how the landscape of the ODI game were to become following that triumph. So, what are your memories, totally as a fan, and, you know, uh, up to Silva in 96. So, um, so as a fan, and if I talk about 96 uh, World Cup, of course, um, De Silva ruined my my experience of that, that game completely. But uh, no, I did not have any, um, any, any, you know, hard feeling. Uh, in fact, it's 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 a bit cliche to uh, to say, but I I generally always uh, support um, the underdogs, um, you know, like most neutral uh, sports fans. So uh, Australia Sri Lanka final, I I wanted Sri Lanka to win, um, and also because Australia back then was uh, also a team that uh, you know. Uh, that Indian fans did not really support too much because if you remember from 86 onward, India-Australia rivalry kind of has started taking shape. Um, In fact, I did not remember this during that uh, uh, rivalry podcast, but I I distinctly remember now that 
at the chennai tight test uh, was so so tense and so heated that um, later on in during the one day series um, australia had come to play in ahmedabad and many of you know many kids in the school and in fact the local newspaper had had printed that uh, all the spectators are going to make sure that australia you know learns a lesson uh, they will be cheering so much for india anyway so so back to de silva um if you go back to 96 semi final i mean the first over was was like you know shocking uh pleasantly shocking when jaisuriya and kalu vitrana they both uh went back for for just with just one run on the scoreboard it was like incredible and then azhar did something interesting he got kumble for the second over so and kumble uh this this was my impression but de silva did find slightly difficult to play against kumble and de silva attacks kumble and i think he scored couple of boundaries in that over and and then he he just kept on kept on hitting and eventually kumble got him out but you know uh and de silva also went back i think by by 15th over he was out so there were still almost 25 overs left uh 35 overs sorry left in the in the innings but that counter attack that counter punch was so strong and was so shocking that even today fans like us when we think of that semi final we think only of you know uh, de silva is the main culprit um in fact re- when we talked about you know this episode and i i looked at the scoreboard once again i saw that mahanama also had sc- scored the half century all i could remember about mahanama was that he was you know carried uh, on a stretcher or he was carried away from the ground because he was retired that's all i could remember but so the thing is that de silva knock um was shocking it was very powerful and and i think he just he just repeated it in the in the final it was fitting that he 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 became the first ever um a player to score a century in a world cup final in you know while chasing and sri lanka became the first team to win while chasing so so yeah and i agree completely with vijay that we have to understand that de silva as a player we cannot really compare him with other players of of his era because number one the reason he stated number two he also played for sri lanka and sri lankan cricket was still kind of you know taking shape um sri lanka started playing tests in early 80s when de silva started playing he was like a a teenager also like most other players his of his era like ranatunga or even for that matter later on jay surya or ravi ratnayake or ramesh ratnayake etc these were players who always came 
to the national side uh, without a role, um, without a predefined role. They could ball a bit and they could bat a bit. And while playing for the team, they developed in one of the roles. The same thing happened to Jai Surya. He, in fact, he started his career as a lower order batter. Same thing happened to Ranatunga, um, you know, a medium pacer who could bat a bit. And same thing happened to De Silva. In fact, uh, in his earlier years, he, he was a lower order batsman or like number six, number seven bat batsman who would uh, be playing mainly as an, as an off-spinner all-rounder. And later on, he kind of moved up the order. It was interesting that 92, when he was the captain, he couldn't really create a lot of impact. But 96, and later on, when Sri Lanka had a much better established team and he had a much, much better role, uh, his position was well-defined. And that's where probably he he showed his uh, his class. Um, and many, Prabhakar, uh, Vijay mentioned, if I remember, Srinath also had mentioned in one of the interviews that uh, De Silva was probably one of the greatest batsmen that he had a chance to bolt. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I recollect of of De Silva. No, that's uh, some uh, astute recollection. So Vijay, let's close the loop on De Silva, and I'll bring you back in. Kandar mentioned the two innings. You had started to talk about the two innings. So is he like an Inzamam kind of figure who's a great, but he just orchestrated a World Cup win? But overall, he's uh, in terms of World Cup greats, and that's a that's a strange way to put it because cricket is not a tournament sport unless you play the World Cup. So he's not in the top four or five like the Laras and the Pontings and the Tendulkars for runs scored. He's played few World Cups and he has, I think, thousand odd runs. But you take those two innings out. I mean, is it more like an Inzamam type of a career, uh, like you talked about in the last podcast, or you think he's had a more everlasting impact on the tournament? So I think, like uh, as I talked about uh, Sakib, you know, after those two innings, right? I just want to talk something about that '96 uh, World Cup semi-final, right? Uh, I think it clearly showed that Arjuna Ranatunga was thinking on his feet while Azaruddin froze like a deer in front of the headlights, in the headlights, right? So what was the decision in the Indian team? They were going to chase because they didn't look at the pitch. They just said, we're going to chase because Sri Lankans can't chase. That's fine. They didn't want Sri Lanka to chase. So the plan was the first over will be bowled by Srinath and they didn't want Venkatesh Prasad to bowl the second over. They wanted Anil Kumble to bowl. The plan was one pacer and one uh, spinner will be the uh, will be the 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 pattern, but what happened or transpired was Srinath dismissed both Kalavitarana and Jayasuri in the first over, and Aravinda De Silva, middle order batsman, walks in with a score of one for two, and what should he face? A new ball bowler, but Azar being Azar, who can't think on his feet, and he just still brings Kumble in, and for De Silva a middle-order player who plays spin for, mostly phases spin. So he feels as if it's 100 for two, not one for two. And that's why Azar really erred. And then he didn't have a slip for that shot, then that went over there, and then he played another shot. Yeah, played some brilliant shots. But but again, I'll bring the Mahanama example that Kandar brought in. If you look at the Sri Lankan top seven, uh, 
Sanat Jayasurya, Ramesh Kalavitarna, Sanka Gurusinga, Araminda de Silva, and then you'll have Arjuna Ranatunga, then Hashan Telakratna, Roshan Mahanam was number seven. They had seven players. Because an early wicket fell and then Guru Singh fell, I think it was 66 with three, they they moved Roshan Mahanamba because he used to be an opener. Because again, Venkatesh Prasad is bowling, Srinath is bowling. The Sri Lankans were moving their batting order because early wickets fell. And Azhar being Azhar, he was using a, a spinner with a new ball. To me, I think that's one of the low points of Azhar's career. It's not the toss decision, what you do on the field. Well, then again, uh, what, 98 for four uh, when... Aravinda De Silva got out in the 15th over to a beauty from Anil Kumble. India couldn't control because uh, Ashish Kapoor couldn't control and, and Arjuna Ranatang was a bit too canny with his deft touches and, you know, look, Sri Lanka was the better side. We're not going to get into that and what they did, etc. I think what we need to understand about Aravinda De Silva is uh, people like us uh, who watched pretty much all the cricket games in that phase. So between 96 and 97, Aravinda De Silva scored eight of his 11 one-day 100. So pretty much we saw him scoring a one-day 100 every other day, especially against Pakistan, Wazim Akram Yunis, uh, against India. And he was a, a Pakistan killer, literally. Even prior to the 96, he had reached a test match 100 at Faisalabad uh, by hitting Imran, hooking Imran for a six and so forth. So, so there were a lot of tournaments in Sharjah, the Indian Independence Cup in 97, the Pakistan Independence Cup in 97. That phase in Asia, uh, probably a lot of people in England and Australia wouldn't have watched those games because back then those tournaments wouldn't have been covered. His peak was between that 96 and 98 when he scored those eight out of his 11 one-day hundreds in that 12-18 month period. That was the peak that people like us saw. He was quite phenomenal. But if you look at his overall stretch it, as you said, right, if you stretch it from 87 to 2003 in terms of World Cup, yeah, he had a a poor World Cup in 99 uh, and then 2003, he was way past his best and he still played a couple of good shots against Australia and stuff. So, uh, to be honest, yes, Sakib, you could say that given the the longevity, uh, his World Cup record doesn't stack up to an all-time great like a Sachin Tendulkar or a Javed Mianda or a Ricky Ponting in that sense. Uh, but again, we have to understand that he was too young and early on. Sri Lanka was not given a lot of opportunities. So, like, if you don't play any home games between your ages 22 and 27, that has a disadvantage. So, we need to give him a bit of a leeway when we judge him against a Ponting or a Tendulkar or a Viv Richards or a Mianda. That's something I'd like to bring some context. But his one-day record outside of Asia, India, Pakistan and Sharjah wasn't too flattering uh, as well, um, especially in World Cups and stuff. So, if you put it in balance, he was a, a true all-time great one-day player between 96 and 98. But if you look at it overall, he was a very, very good player. Um, but I wouldn't call him as... I mean, he wasn't a Tendulkar for an overall career. But for that period, I would say he matched. And I'll give a, a small anecdote. Uh, there was a, 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 a one ODI game at Lords in 98. That was the uh, Princess Diana Memorial game. It was MCC 11 and World 11. And uh, Sachin Tendulkar scored a brilliant 100 against Donald McGrath and Srinath and... De Silva was playing quite well. He scored an 80-odd. And I, I would argue that Tendulkar got the 100 and man of the match, but De Silva played some spanking strokes as well. So he could match at the peak. Tendulkar was also at his peak, right? But for that brief period. But overall, I would say Tendulkar was a, a, a better, not just a World Cup player, an overall ODA player. That's how I would like to look at it, Sakit. Perfect. You bring Tendulkar in. So it makes my job easy to bring the next question to Kandarp and maybe feel a similar question to you, depending on what Kandarp has to say. 
Chikandar, stay with 96 World Cup. De Silva got the laurel. Sri Lanka wins the cup. Uh, but arguably, a lot of people say it was Tendulkar was the best player. I mean, the, or the best batter. The argument could be made. And uh, so using that as a yardstick, is 96 Tendulkar's best World Cup for you or was it 2003? Um, well, it's very difficult to say because, you know, they are two very different uh, World Cups. Uh, and uh, in my opinion, I think 2003 Tendulkar was uh, uh, was a better um, better version of Tendulkar. I mean, but in 96, he was already, uh, he had already established himself as as one of the, the best players in the world. He he was already he was twenty three and he was playing his his second World Cup already, um, but two thousand three World Cup I think he 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 had a much uh, much bigger impact. Um, also ninety six World Cup he was part of a team which was uh, which was not a perfect team uh, like Vijay mentioned. Um, um, uh, you know some players they. For example, Ashish Kapoor could not uh, did not have an excellent control um, in that semi-final. Um, now, Joe Sidhu played some good innings, but in general, uh, Indian batting was uh, was not as well established as as it was in uh, in two thousand three. And uh, so, also, I think India's bowling was much better in two thousand three, and that's why. In India overall was a better unit in in 2003, and that's why it's difficult to compare Tendulkar across these two World Cups. Uh, but 96 World Cups, what I I do remember is that it was difficult to watch a game once Tendulkar got out. There was something that was that you know that that pain was reduced considerably post 2000 when you know we had Sevags and Dravids and and Gangulis um in our team Yuvraj and and Kef as well uh the problem was for example if you remember the Australia game in 96 World Cup um it was a fantastic game India lost to to Australia um I remember next day we had an exam and and there was such, uh, you know, the mood was was so grim in in my school that uh, you know we we lost to Australia, and everyone was saying just one thing that once Tendulkar gets out, uh, there is no way we can we can win. So, ninety six World Cup, I think uh, Tendulkar played some some fantastic knocks and especially the one that I, I personally uh, remember a lot is is that one the one against australia at, at one kere uh, he couldn't finish his century unfortunately but i think it was a fantastic knock um and uh, i think his best knock was against uh, sri lanka but it came in a lo- in a losing cause uh, that game, you know, the last game of Manoj Prabhakar, um, India lost because of Jai Surya and, and Kalu Vitranas. Um, unbelievable attacking stroke play. 
uh, and that's i think that it had a lot to do with the the toss decision as well um that was also one of the reasons why i think indian management decided not to not uh, not to allow uh sri lanka to to bat second but yeah so this is my opinion i think uh, tendulkar 2003 was a uh, was a much better version of of tendulkar than tendulkar 96 so vijay you can come in uh, uh, two questions rolled into one uh, the knock and they've talked about uh, the 96 uh, world cup i think the first day and night match at the vankhede right so where do you rank that knock in the in the tendulkar annals and then uh, which is your fir- favorite edition for tendulkar the batsman you know which edition of the world cup you think he fared the best uh, well i think i don't have to be a contrarian to prove a point but uh, i'll give a slightly different answer i thought uh, his 92 world cup was a very very special one because he was what 18 19 and we were there india were there for four and a half years four and a half months for the tour it was a disastrous 04 you know azruddin and nabaz ali beg weren't the best pep talkers and stuff the world cup started and please understand back then with the white kookaburras the ball was seeming around a fair bit and uh, you know even his those he scored a 35 in the opening game at the waka before uh, ian botham bowled that wonderful leg cut the ball was doing a fair bit so you had to play uh, <clears throat> a good with good technique and then um he scored those couple of you know a very good 54 against pakistan which got him the man of the match at the scg and then um, he failed against uh, ambrose but uh, in wellington but uh, he scored a brilliant 84 uh, at carisbrook so uh, to me here i mean of course the zimbabwe thing as well so to to score as an 18 or a 19 year old uh, all those runs and and again please understand even with that he had a good strike rate in the 80s uh, which is pretty good so i i would rate that as an 18 year old what he did after scoring two test hundreds was very special of course martin cross scored more runs and therefore he got hogged the limelight um i'd like to give a lot of credit it's an underrated performance in a team that was uh, riven with factions and not doing well it's not an easy thing to do well when the dressing room is not a stable one so he was a, a superstar i think 96 was special because um again before 92 alan border and others weren't even sure whether he was a, a a great player but he proved that in the australian summer by scoring those two test hundreds and a lot of one day runs uh, both in the benson ages world series and then in test cricket sorry uh, world cup move on to 96 the whole expectation was that was his world cup but again please understand he was only 23 23 in a home world cup the expectations were so high and he was expected to uh, ride the wave and you know take the home nation to the promised land you know so to speak like that's if i'm can be a little biblical that was the expectation and there were enormous expectations and uh, he started off well and scored those you know 100 against kenya and stuff but i think we need to come to the one k day game against australia because that was built up as one of the matches of the tournament because it was uh, first time lights at the vankade the first time most of the grounds in india had lights of course eden gardens had it for the hero cup in 93 and i'm going to exclude the jawaharlal nehru stadium in delhi where they used the uh, athletic track to play some few games but first ever day night game at the vankade uh, 35 40000 people 
Australia scored 258. But I think like uh, during the lunch break and he was practicing uh, with the net bowlers and the whole crowd was chanting Sachin, Sachin, Sachin. And Ian Chappell said after that, he said, it must be nerve wracking because you're playing at home in your home stadium and the whole stadium is chanting your name. It's not India versus Australia. It's Sachin Tendulkar versus Australia. And he just came. You could see that his, his adrenaline, adrenaline was you know, overflowing, but he was really measured. And India lost a couple of wickets. McGrath bowled two or three maidens. But then he took almost 40 runs of McGrath. He just took him on. And he was quite innovative, playing some, some crude, but some great pull shots, which made McGrath to go wide and pitch it up. And he drove. I mean... When he got to 50, uh, India had, what, 60 for two or 62 for two. So that was a complete dominance. And and I always thought that was the start of this Sachin, Sachin chant. Though, of course, now we know that during the 93 England test, a couple of summers before, they had started the uh, chant. So to do that at 1K day in front of his own people, of course, the North Stand will have his, would have had his own clubmates and schoolmates and stuff. That was special. And, of course, when Shane Warne came to bowl, Vaughan bowled a brilliant spell. He's considered only 28 runs and took one wicket and Tendulkar hit uh, one straight boundary. But after that, even Tendulkar couldn't call a Vaughan because Vaughan used to have a flipper back then, right? So with the flipper, he was a much more dangerous bowler. Unfortunately, he didn't play India in any tests at that time. So the point I'm trying to make is against a very good Australian side. He scored the 19 before Mark Paul bowled that wide to be stumped. It was a one of the wonderful one-day innings because against the quality Australian side, against the Australian pedigree, to score like that um, and then India fell short by 16 runs. But the other important thing, there was a certain gentleman called Sir Don Bradman was watching the game uh, from his Adelaide home. That was a game that he was watching on Channel 9 or on Fox and I don't know where, where Don Bradman watched it. <clears throat> it was televised on both the channels. He watched it and during that innings he called his wife, Jess, and said, Jess, look at the bloke playing uh does he resemble me a bit and uh his wife said yeah he does because he said he had never seen him bat and because he looked looked at some of the footwork and some of the strokes and <clears throat> some of the ways in which he played so though we didn't know about it <clears throat> back then but a few months later that came out that <clears throat> bradman had seen him and he, how he compared his style then of course we know that uh uh, a few months later, Don Bradman chose him in his all-time 11 as well. So that game was a very significant game, not just for aesthetics, stroke play, the way he played McGrath, but it was also the fact that Sir Don Bradman watched it live from Adelaide, from his home, and asked his wife to make a comparison. So <clears throat> it was quite significant, of course, Rendulkar, uh, you know, as we all know, he scored a quite a brilliant 65, and uh, the Sri Lankans still consider that stumping that Kalavitarna made um, as the greatest moment uh, in their World Cup history, the biggest, the greatest stumping of the greatest act, because without that, they couldn't believe that they would have beaten India that that night. Um, but then, 99, I, I thought he was really primed. He looked good in the first game, uh, though Jukes and Ball was moving around, and he opened, and then he went back to football. But unfortunately, his father passed away. You know, it's very hard to go for a funeral and come back, and then he was asked to bat at four. It was a bit of a distracted tournament, unfortunately. 2003, I would say slightly differently because, again, John Wright and Saurav Ganguly had him at number four for a fair bit of 2002. 
then he wanted to get back to the top. And back then, there were a few murmurs about, was he selfish? Because we had Virendra Sehwag and uh, Saro Ganguly, the left and right. Why couldn't he bat at four? You know, there were some question marks about, was he selfish in promoting himself, right? But then, again, the significant moment in 2003, more than the cricketing one, when India lost to Australia at Centurion, at Centurion Park, he scored 25 before Gillespie uh, hoodwinked him with a slower ball. You know, homes were attacked, players, uh, cars, you know, Rahul Dravid's uh, uh, car was attacked, Mohammed Cape's home was attacked, players felt the heat. So India played Zimbabwe and Harare. And again, a lot of people, you know, just say what is Zimbabwe, but he just came to the press and he said, you know, I assure you, we will give our best. He had to literally give a message to his countrymen that he would perform. You know, that was the pressure. And he scored 81 in Harare. And then when he played England and took, he scored 50 with that famous six of Kadik. And then against Pakistan, he scored 98. Then people, a lot of people realized that if he could play like this, no wonder you could ask for such a favor, like I want to bat at the top. So I think for him, it was more like winning his fans over and make his critics eat the humble pie as well. So from 2003, he was a different man. He was 30. Uh, he had a different stance, sometimes middle stump stance. Maybe he didn't have some of the strokes that he had in 92 or 96, but still he was an, evol- he, he was an evolved product and to score all those runs. But then unfortunately, uh, I would say, as Skandar said, uh, the final was a bit of a letdown. We could put whatever spin we want to. Uh, having scored all those 573 runs, or 673 runs, uh, 669, so to speak, and then uh, he scored only uh, four in the final, right? Uh, I mean, I would like to know what went through his mind because, yeah, Australia scored 360. You're not going to get there. But his approach, I thought, was uh, was little... I wouldn't say timid. He he allowed the situation to get the better in terms of his approach because he could have hung back and played it a little differently. That's my view. But anyway, that's for another day. Um, then, of course, 2007 was a disaster. We can talk about it later. Again, the way I would like to look at it, he finished off very, very well in 2011 as well. Right? To have that sort of a longevity, right? So you could, a, a very good 92, quite a brilliant 96, uh, quite a spectacular 2003, and a very decent, very good 2011. I think that sort of a longevity makes him from a World Cup perspective, uh, the greatest one-day player all, of all time, except for the fact that he failed in the two finals, which is for another day. That's the way I would like to look no, at it. No, th- that's, that's going to come today. <laughs> we can't leave the two failures of the final. But I think very uh, nicely put. So, Kandar, you know, let's uh, paint a Tendulkar highlight reel because we haven't talked about him at depth in a podcast. And, you know, it's not, you know we can't have a better time than this. So, as a Tendulkar fan, uh, uh, you talked about the Bankhira innings. Vijay gave, you know, some great context in the response. What are your favorite Tendulkar innings? Uh, uh, because mine is that uh, one against Pakistan in 2003 World Cup because I didn't see a ball of the 96 World Cup. I was in the U.S. That's the only World Cup I didn't see any action. But uh, what comes to mind when I ask you your favorite Tendulkar moments in the history of the World Cup? So if, uh, specifically in the context of World Cup, I would say uh, the first ever um, half century that Tendulkar scored in a World Cup game, uh, I think it was against pa- Pakistan in 92. Or that was the first one that I remember, but I think that was a very special game, especially the 
the partnership he had with Kapil Dev in that game, um, and uh, and they 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 both they helped uh, you know reach us a good total, and eventually uh, India ended up winning that game, and that was the highlight of of that World Cup for us. Um, this Australia game, uh, like I said, is it's a special game. Uh, maybe because it was a day night game maybe because uh it was probably hyped up a lot but somehow it has stayed in my memory and uh, i always think of that as 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 a great inning uh his century against kenya after he he went back after attending his father's funeral and he was uh, um uh, i mean he like which i said he he came down the order um and the way in which he he played so in a way i think everyone was watching that game with uh, with with a lot of sentiments because you know you have to understand that tendulkar of 96 and tendulkar of 99 were not the same tendulkar for us tendulkar of 96 was uh india's main uh, player uh, uh India's, you know, best batsman. Tendulkar of 99 was GOAT for us. Um, in fact, if you remember in 1992 when, you know, that uh, uh, those back-to-back Sharjah centuries that he scored against against Australia, uh, Doordarshan had, uh, had done a special program on Tendulkar. Uh, the, and the title of the program was Legend at 25. And it was true. I mean, at 25, Tendulkar was probably, you know, he was a living legend uh, and at the peak of his career. So so by the time, you know, uh, the 1999 World Cup arrived, I think everyone was so emotionally attached to to him as the player but also as to him as as the person and and that's why that kenya knock uh is is a special knock he he scored uh vijay can correct me if i'm wrong i uh 100 and 140 uh runs in in that game 99 so, right uh, yeah that's uh at uh in because he scored a yeah. 120, 127 against in the, the in 96 96. World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact, I remember in in uh, 2003 World Cup semi final when he was uh, he reached 80 or 83. 83. It, yeah, he got out. But when he reached 80 odd, the commentator had said that uh, if he scores a century again, he will be probably the only player to score three consecutive centuries against the same opposition in three consecutive World Cups. Uh, but that didn't happen. Um, anyway, so 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 that is uh, that was a special inning because, you know, it was also kind of, uh, you could see a, per, you know, a person fighting against a personal moment of grief and overcoming that, uh, doing what, what he he knew best uh you know playing and scoring runs and and winning a game for for the country uh on the other hand if you if you look at you know from the perspective of pure skill i think uh, there is no doubt 98 against pakistan is uh, is probably 
one of the best innings ever. Not not only I think it's one of the best Tendulkar innings, I think it's one of the best one day innings ever because he he was uh, struggling uh, with with pain. He had he, he was not fully fit, and despite that, the way in which he he attacked and, and the way in which he attacked Shoaib Bakhtar. Uh, who was at that point at his peak as well uh, so so that is that is my my favorite inning as well but so so these are some of the tendulkar innings that you know they are kind of they are, they are there in my memory world cup innings okay so vijay i mean let's let's cut the chase and you know uh, let's do some difficult conversation here even though it's an opinion making exercise in kandar same question yeah. is coming to you so let I'll get Vijay have it the bite of the cherry first so Vijay the only team game besides cricket that I followed is the NBA basketball when I came to the US and I did you know I did watch a lot of uh, Jordan and then also read about Jordan and there are a lot of documentaries and film when the time he was playing his best basketball the bulls were losing the detroit pistons and the pistons would trash talk in his ear and talk openly in the press you may be the best player on the planet but you can't beat us it's a team sport we can't do this kind of a talk in comparison in cricket because batting is an individual discipline you you know unlike basketball or football there's no one making a play no one passing the ball to you but that being said that doesn't stop people from talking about big games and the importance of big games no matter how sophisticated the conversation has become a lot of us from the old school still become a semifinal the semifinal compared to like a bilateral series game for at katak or whatever so tendulkar compared to the man who i'm going to bring him next in the podcast is ponting and the man who we spoke about de silva tendulkar not scoring in the you know in the two finals before you know the, the, the he played in the world cup does that diminish his legacy by the way this question came from sahil who's a big tendulkar fan himself compared to a ponting uh, i know you don't like easy questions but uh, how do you see this question i'm sure you've been part of many a discussion on chat forums and twitter and whatsapp groups bar stool do we hold it against a great man because we just crowned him the best odi world cup player but then you know the man who we compare him against ponting took india to the cleaners of course there's nuance you know tendulkar's facing magra and vaughn and those kind of opposition uh, magra uh, ponting is not uh, how do you want to unpack it is there any safe passage to this question yeah it- it's a great question but again as i said uh, looking at the longevity and the performance across the board right uh, from 92 till 2011 it's very hard to argue against the fact that sachin tendulkar was the greatest odi world cup player ever the only question is the two failures in the final right so look let's take a step back right uh, to for anyone to be considered the greatest of all time across the eras fortunately for us one day cricket is only from 1971 international i would say so it's like we're talking about a 50 52 year old history but even there the games have evolved a fair bit the rules have changed uh, at least in the 80s and 90s it was pretty much uh, a test cricket played in the 50 over format and the field restrictions one ball versus two balls old ball you know a few things have happened uh, the run um, um factor is also different right how the runs were scored in the 90s versus now but i think tendulkar ticks pretty much all the boxes he's got the record he's got the strike rate he's got the centuries is uh you know he had a little bit of a, the only glitch that was there in his career was his oda record bilateral oda record 
uh, in Australia and South Africa. He had good World Cups there, but uh, when he toured, uh, his test used to get good test runs, but he was, for a variety of reasons, I've talked about in other pods, right? But then even that fixed, he fixed it, in, especially in in Australia by winning that uh, uh, Carlton and United series in 2008 uh, by beating Australia in the final. Um, I think there was one, so, but then like, you need to score consistently. You can't just, as you've asked, you can't just score in a World Cup final and fail everywhere else. And that's not greatness. That's a one-off, right? So you have to do consistently year on year. Greatness is all about longevity, consistency, and all those things are important. But if you're a true great, like the only guy I would like to compare him with is Vivian Richards. So Vivian Richards ticked all the boxes. He had a an outrageous strike rate, which was ahead of its time in centuries and stuff. But then Vivian Richards scored that brilliant uh, 1979 uh, 100, including the Mike Hendrick six. But if you look at it, Vivian Richards had also had two failures, one in the 1975 World Cup. Uh, he got only five runs in the 83. He scored 33 and played that uh, shot to Kapil, sorry, Mother Lal and Kapil had him. So even the great Vivian Richards had one brilliant 102 failures. On the other hand, Sachin Tendulkar had two failures. So there's nothing to show for. So it's one of those tricky things, right? Then let's look at it. He had scored a lot of runs in quarterfinals, semifinals, across the board against very strong attacks and stuff, right? Uh, so I think Tendulkar, I don't think we could question his legacy based on the failures in the two finals. But that puts a small little asterisk about him being a player who has delivered on those biggest moments, right? It doesn't matter what spin you put it. A World Cup final has a very different thing the players feel it, coaches feel it. Uh, it is different, and a lot of um, analysis has has come out where players have said that it's it feels different. Mentally, it's different. Decision making is a little uh, difficult. It's not the same, right? Uh, first overs, last over, etc., etc. I would say Tendulkar should be a bit disappointed the way he played in the 2003 World Cup final because I thought uh, the 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 situation, 360, he could have, in my opinion, uh, taken a step back and allowed to be there for 20 balls and then he could have played some shots. I, I'm sure he would have scored a 70 or 80. He might not have won the game. India would have still lost the game, but he wouldn't have got out playing too early to McGrath. Right? Instead of cutting the ball, he went for a pull, which wasn't there to be done. Yeah, look, it kind of is a, it's a classic example of a great player playing an injudicious shot. I think 2011 was more more of a disappointment because that is, to be honest, that's a modest Sri Lankan attack. I mean, of course, Morali was there, uh, Malinga was there, but yeah, look, he should have uh, sawn on, uh, sorry, uh, seen off those uh, bowlers, and he could have scored a big innings. But probably that that only ball that moved a little bit that evening in that spell was Malinga, and he edged it. That's unfortunate. He played a couple of boundaries, so he he doesn't have anything to show for in World Cup Finals despite a very good record. Unfortunately, he'll have to carry the cross to his grave, right? He doesn't have a choice because he doesn't have a redemption in terms of scoring in the third final. But you would argue that a lot of players get more, don't get more than one opportunity. So he had two opportunities at two different phases. He has fell. Now, Jordan is different. You're right. Team sport, different team sports have different dynamics. Unfortunately, Tendulkar chased in both the finals. Uh, he couldn't set the pace um, in any of the World Cup finals. Was it different? I don't know. So, look, I would say it diminishes his true greatness vis-a-vis -a Viv Richards in a debate like that. I, I don't think that has got anything to do 
in him becoming inferior to Aravind De Silva, he was a much better ODI batsman across the board, World Cups or otherwise, vis-a-vis Aravind De Silva. Ponting was a great one-day player, but I, I would still rate Tendulkar overall a better ODI player as an all-time great ahead of Ponting or Gilchrist, any of those guys. The only question I would like to ask is, does that make Viv Richards a better player? I mean, we could put X hundred factors. He might match or better Viv on so many things, but that World Cup final, what Viv did in 79 versus what Sachin hasn't done in 2003 or uh, 2011, that could be the only thing. So, not against Ponting, not against Gilchrist, not against uh, Aravinda, but uh, maybe against Viv Richards. That's the only thing uh, I would say. So, definitely it has an impact, uh, Sakib. It does have. But how much does that affect? Maybe 5, 6, 7%. That's what I would say. All right. So, Tendulkar fans are happy. I was thinking you might take him to the cleaners, but you continue to surprise me. Which is good. This is how I see. I, you know, I see things. I was a huge Tendulkar fan in my time, uh, at least till you know 2007. Tendulkar bhakt literally. So yeah, great answer, uh, Kandar. Do you see it differently? Does uh, chasing or scoring in big games uh, add to the already you know unparalleled legacy, uh, or does it leave a hole? Uh, or have your views evolved on this discussion? Because this is like a fruitless discussion that's you know that's been going on for a long time and probably will not leave us anytime soon i mean um it's a, it's a very a very interesting question and uh, you know this as long as you know any form of competitive sports exists this this discussion will go on uh, are there big game players or not um and does big game performance define your legacy or not? In case of Tendulkar, now Tendulkar is, you know, an exceptional case because, you know, he has such a long career and he has, you know, shown his uh, uh, like matchless skill in so many different situations that it's very difficult to say that, you know, failures in two games uh, diminishes his legacy. In fact, uh, Vijay was talking about uh, Michael Jordan. I, if if I take these three as criteria, longevity, consistency, and if I add talent to it, you know, uh, one person that I always find to be very similar to Tendulkar is uh, is Lionel Messi, uh, and just before. Uh, the final of 2000, uh, well, 2023, 2022 World Cup in, in Qatar. An Argentine journalist, a young girl, she she went to Lionel Messi. So he was waiting for the question. And she said something very interesting. She said, I'm not going to ask you any question. I just want to tell you that uh, uh, you have made us all so happy over years and there is no single boy who doesn't have uh, your t-shirt and and thank you and in fact well she she had a much much longer speech which made uh, made leo messi also a bit you know emotional and anyone who who heard that speech and was a fan of messi or argentina uh, they they got a bit emotional uh, listening to that that little speech that that 
the journalist had made. And, but that speech defined Lionel Messi's legacy that, you know, even if he loses one game, one final, it doesn't diminish his legacy because he has already like made fans happy all over the world so many times. And same is true for Tendulkar to, to some extent. He has played so many remarkable innings. And also, he has not played well in the final. Yes, that's true. But take, for example, 2003 World Cup, like Vijay mentioned. Uh, after India's loss to Australia, there were like protests in our country and you know, they were burning effigies and uh, he he performed against Zimbabwe. He scored a half century. He scored a century against Namibia. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, uh, nine, well, the innings against Pakistan, he also scored 90, 97 against Sri Lanka in another Super 6 game. So, he, he had performed so consistently throughout the World Cup that you know that somehow helped India reach the final, and the same is is probably true for 2011 as well. So, does it diminish Tendulkar's legacy? No. On the other hand, does performing in key games, important games, does it enhance a player's legacy? Uh, that's true. Uh, does it? Um, so, Kandep, I know you're yeah. an academic here and you've, yeah. you know, we talked about research papers and how the academics tackle this stuff, pressure and, you know, nerves. So are there big moments, I mean, for you? I know we're deviating, but I think I just uh, thought uh, if you've seen any research on this uh, in terms of sporting events. So, uh, yeah, in fact, uh, so if you look at performance studies or if you look at, uh, you know, stu studies on joking, um, there is ample research which has shown, uh, especially research done in psychology, which has shown that, uh, yes, players do uh, feel that there are some moments which are big moments. And it is also it has also been shown that quite often uh, the response is physiological uh, and that's why it directly affects your uh, your skill level also and there is a cognitive response so there are there is also research which says that there are people who get that extra motivation uh, in those big moments and that's why they they end up performing better than others uh, under those uh, those situations so yes research is is very clear on that um and that's why you know that, that's why most uh, professional sports teams they do have psychologists there who who try to help players understand uh, how to deal with pressure all right, good stuff. I mean, uh, sorry to bring this unannounced. We should definitely have a podcast down the road so, and be prepared. Sakib, so, so yeah. sorry, one thing uh, to Kandas point. Um, I know Lionel Messi fans will get upset if I say it, but you have to say it. I would say you take the Qatar World Cup out, the 2022 World Cup. Lionel Messi has been an underperformer in World Cups, especially in uh, knockout games, right? 
Uh, of course, is club recorded Barca Champions uh, League finals. As a club cricketer, arguably the greatest, I will not dispute it. But if you take the Qatar World Cup, he had played in 2006, 10, 14, 18. And to be honest, for a great player, his record has been abysmal, especially in knockout games. Almost no shows, right? He'll be just walking around, ambling around. So I know Messi has got a lot of apologies, as a bit like uh, some of the Tendulkar fans and Kohli fans. Now, 2022, credit to him, he fixed all of that. Um, but otherwise, I would say great, great Barcelona career for Champions League and uh, um, club level. But footballing-wise, if you just look at international football, um, he was, for a great player, he was no way close to Maradona or Pele or any of those greats. Uh, it was just not even very good. But credit to him, right? He turned around and uh, did a fantastic job in Qatar. I mean, that's how great players rewrite history to prove a point. Um so credit him, but if 2022 had not happened, uh, Messi would, would have had a, a big asterisk against his international legacy compared to his club legacy, but he brilliantly fixed it uh, in Qatar. I'd like to add that because I said a similar thing in the Sachin Tendulkar podcast. Tendulkar gets a lot of criticism. Messi gets away with a lot because I would say his fanboys are a little more jingoistic than Tendulkar fanboys. Any response to Askandar, but should I move ahead? No, no, I I think we should do a separate podcast for this because, um, I mean, if everything that uh, that all you know the description that Vijay has has given of of messy fanboys, I think uh, I I perfectly fit into that class. So so I don't want to uh, create you know a new controversy here. I do agree that 2018 World Cup, Messi, Messi did not perform very well. 2018 was was a forgettable campaign. Uh, but 2014, I I have my I have my my doubts. He did not score goals, but uh, I think he 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 played reasonably well. 2014 and and they they reached finals. And if Iguain would have, you know, put that ball in the in the nets. Uh, of course, it was Messi, Messi's perfect pass. But Iguain being Iguain, he, he just messed it. Um, it. Maybe you know this debate would have been over in 2014 itself. So, but but coming back to uh, the uh, the uh, the Tendulkar question and. Vijay did something very interesting. He said that was Richards uh, a better player than Tendulkar in World Cups? And I think that is a very good um, point. So if you look at statistics, yes, Tendulkar is by far the the greatest uh, batsman in World Cup history. I mean, nobody has scored more runs than him. And... I doubt. I I doubt that you know his his record of more than two thousand runs will be broken soon in World Cup campaigns. On the other hand, if you look at Richards, uh, Richards did not play any World Cup at home. Uh, Tendulkar had two World Cups on in home conditions, um, and and you know that is something something to take take notice of. And and Richards he played. What, four World Cups, and out of four, in three he was in in the finals. Uh, Tendulkar played six, and out of six he was in two finals. So, 
you know so when you you look at legacy it's it's important to bring these issues also into consideration but on the other hand i think messi is the greatest ever Uh, right. uh, I, 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 I'd like to respond to the 2014. I know that's a sorry to say that I could say that he was a no-show against Netherlands. He was a no-show against. Okay, I, I won't go to 2014 because right now um, it's a cricket podcast. We can definitely do something. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's let's talk about Messi pre 2022. I'm up for a debate, but not today. Yeah, I'll give you both the microphone and record that and sit that one out because I don't speak French, so let's let's, <laughs> let's leave it there. But, uh, but Vijay, I mean, uh, my next question—you've kind of changed the landscape of this questioning because you already said it's between Tendulkar and Richards. I was thinking it's going to be uh, a lot. Uh, Ponting will have a lot of say, so I'm going to bring Ricky Ponting in. There's a little background on my psyche, you know. I, I, I've like you. I've always liked Australian cricket team. but i never warmed up to ponting as a fan you know the in your face alpha persona was just never my thing i mean jordan's the only exception where i've liked like pretty much an a hole who's you know going to act like an a hole and i say i look the other way ponting i just was never a fan but like friends around me uh all indian friends when we playing cricket in the united states majority of them short change ponting because we all were tendulkar fanboys and that's when i think i grew up a little bit as a now you you like him or not he's a great great player and arguably i think to me without looking at any numbers his peaks seem the most scary from an opponent point of view and from greatness point of view so if tendulkar is above ponting which you said clearly and you made your case so how does tendulkar stack up to richards in terms of aura sheer arrogance and his 2003 final one of the single best editions of a world cup knock so how do you make ponting's case if we leave tendulkar out of it and make it about viv and punter uh So, Saki, very interesting. A uh, lot of people talk about Ponting's peak, and I think we're mixing formats. A peak, a lot of people talk about, is in Test cricket, right? If you look at it, uh, uh, between 2002 and 2006, he scored 24 Test hundreds, and he averaged almost 72. We're talking almost about uh, like a Steve Smith peak between 2014 and 18, kind of thing. That he scored 21 hundreds. I think a lot of people, and I think in that. peak purple patch between 2002 and 2006 uh, with 2400 the 2003 world cup came so i think a lot of people mix up formats when they say the ponting peak was great absolutely it was great but more in the test cricket i don't think he had a he had such a decisive peak in one day cricket because what he averaged around 42 uh, even between let's say 99 and 2003 or 2000 2003 the average was there or there but it's not that he went up to a 60 average like So I think that's one thing I just want to put aside because sometimes we get mixed up about the formats, right? He was a great player overall because by the time 2006 approached, he was almost 3300s when the six seven Ashes started, 33rd, 34th. People thought he was going to get to Tendulkar's Test record. He was just scoring hundreds almost every other day. So 2400s over a period of four years is frighteningly good. Um. So the 2003 World Cup. I mean, again, regarding Ponting and some of his some of his mannerisms, right? Um, look, he grew up in northern Tasmania, to in a very rough neighborhood. Uh, I think his mother was some sort of a, um, I don't know, a curtain maker. Father worked in a railway yard. So pretty rough background, um, working class uh, person. Of course, not poor by uh, Western standards, but Indian standards or 
Asian standards, but rough neighborhood. So he knew he had to earn his uh, corn, by the way, but uh, he was a prodigy. He was sent to the uh, Australian Academy in Adelaide when he was 15, away from home. So, and again, he had a few, you know, um, what shall I say, uh, misdemeanors along the way he had to learn. And then, uh, yeah. So it took a while for Ponting to handle fame. Um, like so many other sports people, probably he wasn't super well-trained or privileged or anything to understand and accept. Of course, some of his uh, field mannerisms weren't perfect. I would say, along with Vivian Richards, Ponting and Brad Coley, in my opinion, those were the three worst behaved captains of all time. Three great players, but they were no role models. Viv Richards was appalling on the field with umpires and fellow players and stuff. Ponting was very similar. Virat Kohli is very similar. I, again, this will be controversial. Three great players, not so great role, role models when it came to their behavior and conduct as a gentleman on the field. That's another thing. Now, coming back to the 2003 innings was quite special because, um, look, I think India had a good good attack. Of course, he had a great start. And importantly, he, he scored his 50 of 70 balls. And then he really teed off. And don't forget Martin, Damien Martin, who was batting with him, had a, a broken thumb. Um, so to convince him as a captain to make him play, and then he was teeing off with those boundaries uh, high, in, at Eiffel. I mean, just for your listeners, uh, uh, Wanderers in Johannesburg is at a higher altitude. That means the ball can really fly. Um, so, yeah, it was a super special innings. Um, of course, the Indian bowling was quite listless with Srinath bowling. Some really, really... Poor Stefan Zahir had lost his school uh, at the start. Uh, you could say the bowling went to pieces, but again, he made the bowlers look bad. I mean, so that was the, the intimidatory thing that he had. I wouldn't call him a better player than Viv Richards because his strike rate was there or thereabouts 80 or and Tendulkar was comfortably scoring faster on all conditions, across all conditions as a top-order batsman, as was a, sometimes he batted at four. Uh, Viv Richards was really special because his strike rate was much higher. The only one who had a higher strike rate was Kapil, but Kapil, they was, was a different beast because he batted at seven or eight, right? It's a shorter period. I would still like to believe the all-time great debate is between Tendulkar and Richards. Ponting is there or thereabouts, but I don't think um, his longevity was or his peak was such that he warranted a place across the board. I think where Ponting would like to be, would like, would be a bit disappointed was in England, right? In the 99 World Cup, he was still really good. Three years, four years into his career. He had already played a World Cup in India in 96 uh, with the goatee. I mean, or at least I didn't know what a goatee was. I used to call it a French beard as th that was the term that was used in India back then. Uh, probably he could have done better in England 99, but he didn't have a great World Cup except that good innings against South African Super 6. Uh, but he had some good things in 2007 and he finished off his career with 100 in, in Ahmedabad in 2011, which was the first time Australia lost a World Cup game between 90, after the 96 final loss and uh, yeah, 2011. I mean, that tournament, they lost to Pakistan as well. So, yeah, look, he had quite a, a long career, but I don't think he was better than Tendulkar uh, statistically or even, yeah, you could even include the 2003 knock. But against Richards, I would say Richards was a better player. Um, so, but again, when we talk about the peak, I'd like to distinguish between his test peak, which was tremendous, and the 2003 World Cup final happened in between. The other factor is the great captaincy, right? Captaincy to to be part of three consecutive World Cup teams. I mean, sometimes those things add up to the aura. When you're part of a great team, you 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 tend to get a few more accolades than when 
you aren't. I think that has also helped him. He's a great, great player. One of the very best. Uh, but I wouldn't put him in the bracket of Tendulkar and uh, Richards, though he has that magnificent World Cup final, 100 at the Wanderers in 2003. All right, great answer. And <clears throat> a lot of food for thought for me to come with a better prepared question next time. But yeah, you make your point. So, Kandarp, how do you see Ponting? Uh, is there any scar tissue as an Indian fan? How do you judge, judge his greatness? I'm sure Vijay has given a, a good account of uh, where he sees Ponting. What are your uh, your recollections of the Ponting years in the World Cup? And if you throw the numbers out, I mean, was he a feared opponent? How how do you remember him? The thing is, you know, Ponting, uh, um, I think... Ponting was unfortunate that he, his entire career coincided with, uh, uh, with that of uh, Sachin Tendulkar, and that's why he he was never considered to be, you know, the greatest the greatest batter of his time because Tendulkar was always there, and uh, and I think uh, the same goes for um, for ten for Ponting's uh, World Cup legacy. Uh, because statistically, you know, there are, of course, Ponting. So, so we have to understand this: that Ponting has played more World Cup games than anybody else. He played in five World Cups only, not six like Tendulkar or Miyadat, but he played in five World Cups. But out of those five World Cups, in four, he played the final. Uh, out of those four finals, in three, he won. And out of those three in two, he was the captain. So you can imagine, you know, I mean, probably that's 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 the most remarkable legacy. Uh, uh, you you cannot you cannot beat that. You cannot question that. Um, what he did in in that World Cup in in the two thousand three World Cup, of course, I mean, uh, for many many Indian fans, for for me personally as well, I mean. I remember the excitement we we felt that day and uh, the expectations we had and and then the way you know ball by ball with with every hit every boundary every six they decimated our uh, you know our hopes they it was like it was real torture to watch that game and that is something that will that will stay with us for that pain will stay with us forever um but going back to what vijay said uh you know was he a better player uh, was he a better you know player than than tendulkar it's uh, it's 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 difficult to to respond uh if we look purely at at numbers then tendulkar has has much better numbers no no doubt about that um was Richards a much better player? Richards did not play as many games as, as Ponting did, but Richards has a much better average. And Richards was, you know, I mean, he he played in a different era. And and that's why they, they cannot be compared, he and, and Ponting. So, yeah, so if I speak purely as a fan, um, Ponting I, I would always remember as, as someone who crushed our hopes in in that 2003 final um was he better than tendulkar i i have my serious doubts even 
even if I try to be objective, I I don't think he has he 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 has been as as impactful and as big a legend as as Tendulkar has been. You know, I think the big criteria here is the team game, and we we went through this exercise earlier in the podcast. How cricket is different than other sports. That being said, Ponting was surrounded by, if I use the American terminology, his teammates were all stars, and a lot of help didn't come for Tendulkar till midpoint. You know, at least a good first decade of his career when Ganguly, Sehwag, and Dravid, all these guys start started you know playing good in the ODI format. 2003 probably was when Tendulkar had his best supporting cast. But then, like Vijay said, we should do a podcast on the mindset, why he played that shot in the final, because maybe deep down he wanted it so bad and he also relied so heavily on himself. I don't know what you know what the mindset is of a champion. but uh, And maybe that was the first time seven uh, you, someone was asked to chase uh, seven and over in a World Cup final. Uh, maybe if it was like, you know, 316, he he wouldn't have played that shot, but you know uh, we'll we'll never know. So this is a great uh, discussion. Uh, always you know want uh, this kind of a podcast always wants me to do one more right away. So I'll be in touch if we have another thing lined up before the World Cup. But you both brought some good memories and good insights, and even some scar tissue, uh, which is you know which is a big uh, uh, part of the fan arsenal. So I'll give you both one minute each before we wrap the show. Uh, any any thoughts that come to mind that we didn't uh, we didn't address, or any single point that you would like to reinforce? Vijay first, and Kandar second, and then uh, we can wrap it up. Yeah, so Sakib, one thing I would say at the peak of his uh, Test career between two thousand two and six, Ponting looked the best batsman in the world. Right, uh, Lara was having his second win, and Tendulkar was going through a little bit of a, a tennis elbow phase, so. <clears throat> In Test cricket, it was a lot closer. Of course, in, in terms of the longevity and consistency, Tendulkar would still outlast him as a as an overall greater player. But in, definitely in, in, in Test cricket, there were moments when he was better, at least in one particular phase. So we have to give it to him uh, compared to one-day cricket. I think the other thing um, we need to talk about, uh, one-day batting, right? Which uh, I know, um, just for an overall point. Um Cricket has been, you know, the touch players, players who time the ball and find gaps, power hitters or people who had a lot of power. We've had all of that. But now the modern one-day cricket has become completely different in terms of how they do center wicket practice versus net practice and how they hit the ball, how they develop the muscles to play in a certain way, like a Johnny Bairstow or a Ben Stokes, you know, even the basketball cricket, right? I think that evolution has made uh, even one-day cricket a very hard to compare between eras. But but someone like a Tendulkar uh, and Viv Richard, they still stand out because despite the run glut of, you know, Babar Azams and Rohit Sharma's and Mahindra Singh Dhoni's and Virat Kohli's averaging much higher, if you apply the inflation or whatever, uh, the a quotient, till Tendulkar and uh, Richards would uh, be there or thereabouts, that kind of tells you uh, why they were true all-time greats. Maybe an Aravinda De Silva wouldn't stand that sort of scrutiny. Of course, as I said, he lost out some of his prime years as a young player. So that kind of tells you that despite all the advances in T20 cricket, injecting certain things and all those things, uh, I would say Tendulkar and Richards would be the 
or Viv Richards and Tendulkar would be the two greatest of all time when it comes to not just World Cups and I would say overall uh, as a one-day batsman. You know, the entire romance of, you know, of sports, um, it, it lives through big wins and big defeats. And, and that's why one thing is to look at, you know, consistency in, you know, the statistical evidence of who is, who has performed well. And another is who has created, you know, more memorable, everlasting moments. I mean, for a Sri Lanka fan, I'm sure, you know, Jai Vardhane or Sangakara have, um, you know, they have much better World Cup record. Um, but it would never come any close to, to De Silva's World Cup career. And similarly, you know, uh, uh, there will be other players who will probably, you know, have better record. They will break, you know, Pontings and Sachins and, and their records. But the memories that these players have, have, have created for us in, in those interesting, difficult, exciting situations, um, it's, it's going to be in our memory forever. Uh, Richards, like Vijay mentioned, uh, he he played cricket differently. He he defined he he exemplified attacking cricket when playing attacking cricket was was not a norm, um, and that's why Richards is Richards. And Tendulkar always said that Richards was his growing up. Richards was his his role model. Uh, maybe you know a young listener would not uh, realize, but. Tendulkar at the age of 18, 19, 20, he was the main player of, of Indian team. So imagine a 19-year-old boy uh, having the pressure of, you know, a billion people's expectations. And and he, he would perform. He would, he would deliver most of the time. And that's why Tendulkar is so special. That's why even his, his half centuries or centuries, even in losing causes, they they are still so special so so these players you know they they have kind of they have defined an era they have defined uh, they have established their own class and 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 we always in fact i'll i'll digress a little bit here but since you do a, a movie podcast as well i remember there was this director sydney lumet and he said something very interesting. He said that stars are stars because they always provoke a sentiment of nostalgia. When you look at them, you realize that there is no, no, nobody else like this one. And once this person is gone, you will never have it back. And I think that's what, you know, that's what these players have created. They have left us with this, you know, deep sense of, of nostalgia. And that's why every time a World Cup arrives, we we not only enjoy the World Cup, but we also enjoy remembering those old World Cups and and those heroics of these great players. 
Hi, that's good and a lot of food for thought for the listeners and for myself and I look forward to editing. Thank you both. It was a fun episode. Uh, let's wrap it up and uh, hopefully we can get this crew back together on another topic. Thank you, Sakib. Thank you for... Uh, thanks, Kandar. Thank you. Thank you, Vijay. And thank you, Sakib, for being here.